Well, uh, do take up your Bibles, and Ron's going to come and read our passage to us from Revelation. Thank you, Ron. We're reading this morning from the last book in the Bible, Revelation, chapter 8, going through to the end of chapter 9, beginning at verse 2 of chapter 8. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down to the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, were thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark, a third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair, call out in a loud voice, Woe! Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace, the sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months 
and the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions and in their tails they had powers to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek Apollyon that is destroyer. The first woe is past. The other two woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions and out of their mouths came fire, smoke and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. The Lord bless that word to us this morning. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ron. Well, let me add my welcome to that of Mark this morning, especially if you're visiting. It's uh, great to have you with us. And if you are visiting, or indeed if you haven't been around for the last couple of weeks, then you've joined us for what is week three in our journey through Revelation. And you've joined us for what is probably one of the strangest and scariest bits of God's word. We've got locusts with women's hair and lion's teeth, breastplates of iron and tails like scorpions. We've got bowls of fire that have been hurled down from heaven to earth. And we've got an army of horses 
with lions' heads that are spewing out sulfur as they go. What we've got here is pretty graphic. In fact, if these two chapters were turned into a Hollywood movie, then without doubt they would carry an 18 certificate. You see, the Bible does not hide from us the reality of evil in this world. And the Bible does not hide from us God's righteous judgment against all that is wrong. And so if we're going to understand this section properly, then we need to remember, as we have done each week so far, that what we've got before us is a vision. It is a vision that Jesus gave the Apostle John, who's in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And it's a vision that comes to us in picture form. It's full of big, bold pictures and images and colorful symbols and metaphors that show something of what is going on in the heavenly realms. And so if we want to get the most out of this book, then we've got to approach the book of Revelation. We've got to treat the book of Revelation for what it is, which is more like a sequence of dreams than a series of documentaries. You may remember last week that we had a scroll sealed with seven seals. And with each seal that is removed, so we see further into God's plan of salvation and judgment. And this week we've got seven trumpets. Seven seals last week, seven trumpets this week. And with each trumpet blast, God announces another series of judgments on this world. Most of the images that we find here are drawn from Old Testament books, Exodus, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the book of Joel. And what Jesus does is bring these images together in a series of visions to help us what is help us understand what is happening now and what will be in the future. So have a look down with me at chapter 8 verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Seven angels each with a trumpet in their hand. And then in verse 3, we're introduced to another angel, distinct from those first seven, who had a golden censer. And he came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Just as the the incense in the Old Testament rises up as a pleasing aroma to God, so the prayers of God's people rise up as a pleasing aroma into the very throne and presence of God. And he delights to hear our prayers. It's a picture of our prayers in general, but I think specifically in view is a picture of the prayers of the saints, the martyrs whom we saw last week. Do you remember them calling out before the throne? How long, Lord, how long until you come and bring full and final justice? And then we read in verse 5 something of an answer, I think, to those prayers. Then the angel took the censer. This is the sense that was full of the prayers. It's now empty. The prayers have gone up to God. And the angels fill this same censer with fire. And the fire is hurled down to earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. 
All of which are familiar signs of God's glory, of God's power, and God's judgment. But did you see the connection between the prayers of the saints and the judgments of God? It's almost like they act as a trigger, isn't it? They follow on from the prayers of God's people. The bowl that held the prayers is now full of the fire of heaven that is thrown down to earth. God hears and God judges. And as one author said, the judgments that follow, i.e. the seven trumpets, are in fact an answer to the prayers of the saints. Which brings us to the first trumpet blast in verse 6 and 7. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. They are poised and ready. The first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. And the next three trumpets that follow are all similar. Look, verse 8, the second angel sounded his trumpet, something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. And so it continues in the first four trumpets. You see, the first four trumpets announce a sequence of ecological disasters that affect different parts of God's creation. The land, the sea, the rivers, and the starry host. It is a reminder of the curse that God placed upon creation in Genesis chapter 3. It is an outworking of the groaning of creation that the Apostle Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 8. You see, what we read of here is not a picture of final judgment. You can see that because judgment is restricted to a third of creation. Repeated phrase, 12 times it comes up. What we have here is a picture of God's present judgment on this world. As we read, look in Romans chapter 8, verse 22. We know, says Paul, we know. That the whole creation, the whole of created order has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. From the moment sin came into this world in Genesis chapter 3, all of creation groaning, creaking, cracking under the weight of sin and the judgments of God. And you only need to turn on the news To see this being outworked on a daily basis. Pictures such as those on the screen are not uncommon, are they? Tsunamis, wildfires, hurricanes, earthquakes. These are daily pictures on our television screens. The first four trumpets are making us aware, are announcing what is happening in our world today. But as well as being a picture of God's judgment now... The metaphor of childbirth also suggests that things will probably get worse. Just as the pain of labor and contractions intensifies until the moment of birth, so the groaning pains of this world will intensify until that day when God births a whole new created order, which we're going to read about in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. But until that day, 
until God brings in his new world, his new order, his new creation, ecological disasters will be commonplace in our world. And that's what these first four trumpets make clear to us. But then we have another little picture that links the first four trumpets with the fifth. Have a look at verse 13. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. In the Old Testament, the eagle is a picture of power and of speed and functions here as a sign of swiftly approaching judgment. There are three trumpets left. There are three woes that remain. And so we come to our fifth trumpet in chapter 9, verse 1, which I think is a picture of evil destruction, ecological disasters, and then evil destruction, chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. What we have here is almost certainly a visual description of the fall of Satan. A star in Revelation chapter 1 refers to an angel. We've got a falling star. We've got a falling angel from heaven to earth. Jesus himself says a similar thing in Luke chapter 10 verse 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And as the fifth trumpet blows, so Satan is given a key which is a pretty disturbing picture. You see, Satan, for a short time, has been given a degree of freedom and of power to wreak havoc in this world. We see the same thing in the conversation between God and Satan in Job chapter 1 and 2, where Satan is allowed to cause much disruption to the life of Job within the parameters that God has allowed But it's a principle that we see most clearly in the cross of Christ. If you're sat there this morning and you're struggling to come to terms with the the presence of evil in this world, which we know is there, and how does that fit alongside a sovereign God who is seated on his throne, who rules and reigns all over all things, then look no further than the cross. You see, the greatest atrocity in the history of this world, the greatest act of evil... When God's loving, kind, generous, perfect, divine son was brutally murdered on a cross. That act of evil was part of God's eternal plan. God purposed it. He didn't do it. Wicked men did it, nailing Jesus to the cross. But he allowed it. And from it, he brought the greatest good imaginable the eternal salvation of countless souls which brings us back once again to the heart of this book all things this is revelation all things including evil are under the control of the one who sits on his throne 
And so with that in mind, come back now to chapter 9, verse 2, where we read this. When he, Satan, opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. And then down to verse 7, the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. Locusts throughout the Bible are a picture of destructive power. We see it in Egypt with the eighth plague when God rescues his people with the plague of locusts. We see it in the book of Joel where locusts are used as a picture of the Babylonian army swarming around Jerusalem in judgment, devouring everything in their sight. In National Geographic magazine, we read this. A desert locust swarm can be 460 square miles in size and pack between 40 and 80 million locusts into less than half a square mile. Each locust can eat its weight in plants each day. So a swarm of such a size would eat 192,000 tons of plants every day. That is physical destruction on a monumental scale. But interestingly here, our evil locusts in chapter 9 don't even touch the vegetation of the land. Do you see that? They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. This is a demonic army that is going after the human soul in the same way that real locusts seek to devour the vegetation of the land. But did you notice that they have no power over the believer? See it again in verse 4. But only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. All those who've been marked sealed by the spirit of the living God, trusting in the lamb who was slain, shadowing refuge in the shadow of the cross. Only they will be safe, so it says. You see, the Bible does not hide from us the reality of evil in this world, but it also makes clear to us the superior power and rule and reign of Jesus Christ, our serpent crusher. Our dragon slayer who one day will dispose of Satan for good. But before we read of that final victory, when the seventh trumpet sounds, there is one more warning. There is one more woe to come as the, seventh, as the sixth trumpet sounds. And our sixth trumpet is a picture of the enemy's design. We've got ecological disasters. We've got evil destruction And we've got the enemy's design. Have a look down at verse 13, chapter 9. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, 
Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who've been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The river Euphrates marked the boundary line between Old Testament Israel and the surrounding enemies. And until this point, these four angels have been held back at the boundary line. It's a difference of interpretation whether these are good angels or those in league with Satan. But in verse 15, they're released and are given authority to kill one third of mankind. And as we read in verse 16, they're released with a vast army of mounted troops who from their description quite clearly belong to the enemy and are designed by the enemy to cause as much pain as possible. Verse 16, the number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. By my reckoning, that's 200 million. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this, and it's a terrifying picture. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. It's a quite terrifying picture that gives us a snapshot of the enemy's design of his army and the devastation that he seeks to cause in this world. But even this, even this does not lead people to repent. Did you hear that in verse 20 and 21? The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. What a sad conclusion this is to chapter 9. We live in a world that is cracking at the seams. We live in a world in which evil is rampant. We live in a world under the judgment of Almighty God, yet still we hear that people do not repent and turn back to God. In C.S. Lewis's language, they're deaf to God's megaphone. You see all the pain and the mess and, and the pictures that we see here should wake us up to the fact that there is something terribly wrong with our world. Can we not see it when we see the pictures on the screen, the ecological disasters? Can we not see it when we hear of the evil in this world and the things that are committed? These pictures should wake us up to the fact that there is something wrong, yet so many people are still asleep, continuing in their current course without Christ. You see, these trumpets are meant to be loud. These pictures are meant to be graphic. These trumpets are meant to wake the people of this world up and send them running back to Christ for salvation. Because today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. The seventh trumpet will sound. The end will come. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to repent. But so many refuse to repent and come back 
to Christ before the seventh trumpet will sound. We've got ecological disasters. We've got evil destruction. We've got an enemy's design. But we finish with our seventh trumpet, which is that of eternal deliverance. Have a look down at verse 15 of chapter 11. We're jumping forward to our seventh trumpet. And next week, we're going to come back to the little bit that we've missed out in chapter 10 and 11. Chapter 11, verse 15, we read this. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God saying we give thanks to you Lord God Almighty the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power And have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your your servants, the prophets. And your people who revere your name, both great and small. And for destroying those who destroy the earth. Unlike the previous six trumpets, which are warnings and wake up calls to God's judgment. Of course, this one is a warning. But it also functions as a victory salute. It speaks of the day when God's full and final kingdom will be ushered in. And in contrast to the seventh seal, you remember, resulted in half an hour of stunned silence. The seventh trumpet results in in continuous praise to our great God. Of course, both responses, silence, awe, reverence. And praise are both appropriate responses when we understand all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And I don't know whether you noticed how God is described in verse 17 and how that compares to how he's described back in Revelation chapter 1. Just read those two verses on the screen. See if you can spot the difference in how the Lord God Almighty is described. You see the difference? Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, the Almighty is described as one who was and is and is to come. Do you see how he's described in chapter 11 verse 17? The one who was and the one who is. But he's no longer to come. Why? Because this trumpet blast looks forward to the day when Jesus Christ has already come back. It will be a time when we're no longer waiting for Jesus to come. But we're enjoying his immediate presence. It is a picture of God's kingdom after the final defeat of Satan, where God's reign is full and glorious and unopposed. And this is the end to which our gracious God is directing all of history. And so let me leave you with... Two points to take away, which drive home, hopefully, things that we've seen already. Firstly, evil is real. I think it's something all of us sort of know already in our hearts. It's real. Yet many people live day to day almost oblivious to the fact that there is a great enemy whose sole objective is to steal and kill and destroy the life that God has given And that's why Jesus calls us to be aware, to be awake, to be alert and to pray 
as he instructs us in Matthew chapter 6, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thine be the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Firstly, evil is real. Secondly, evil will lose. That is the simple message of Revelation. Jesus wins. He struck the decisive blow at the cross already. And one day soon, when the seventh trumpet sounds, the Lord Jesus Christ will return in glory to this world to wrap up history. Can you imagine what a day that will be? If we're still here on earth when he comes back? When the seventh trumpet sounds and every eye will see him descend. And he will make all things new when the seventh trumpet does sound. So let me finish with some words of wonderful victory from the great resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, says the Apostle Paul, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. I, some will still be alive following Christ when he returns. But we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. That is a promise from the one who sits on his throne. What a day it will be for the believer when the seventh trumpet sounds.